The battle of the sexes, week three. First week we talked about what does it mean to be a man. Last week, Christine talked about what does it mean to be a woman. Didn't Christine do a good job last week? She had y'all out of here by 11 o'clock. That will not be happening today. She'll never get to preach again because of that one fact. You guys will get used to that, and then you'll gripe that I'm going to go two hours today. Today we're going to be talking not about individual men and individual women. We're going to be talking about what is probably the biggest issue when it comes to men and women being on the same page. There's a battle for the sexes raging in our society. Some look at it as a political battle, and I look at it as a biblical battle. The Bible clearly defines God created man and God created woman. I always like to kind of wow you with very deep things that you might not know. I like to wow you. It makes me feel good as a preacher. I like to give you earth-shattering statements that possibly you never thought about or did not know. So here's today's earth-shattering statement. Men and women are different. They look different, they think different, we got different parts. I can't remember the movie I tried to find it this week where the kid's talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's a teacher, he says, kindergarten cop, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Someone said, you said that the first week and there were kids were in the service. If your kids don't know that boys have a penis and girls have a vagina, you failed as a parent. So if that offends you, we have an amazing thing next door called a kid's area. Put them in there. We're different. Men peeing standing up. Women pee sitting down. Men pee wherever we want to pee because we're men. (laughs) Men and women are different. And there's so many areas that we're different in that it should come as no surprise that men and women being in a relationship together is one of the most difficult things in the world. If it was easy, everybody would do it and they would do it successfully. A successful relationship is complicated. And I have dealt with hundreds of couples over the years, and without a doubt, it's not even close. The number one issue between men and women is communication. We communicate different because we are different. Sometimes I don't even think we realize how different we are. For example, men are hunters, women are hinters. Men are hunters, women are hinters. For example, 
when I have an off day. Christine will ask me, what are your plans today? Early on in our marriage, I assumed she actually cared and wanted to know what my plans were. She did not. She was hinting at the fact that there were some things she needed me to do. Guys, let's just be honest. Would it not be much easier in life if women just told us what they wanted? Three men have testicles out there. Let me repeat that. The rest are in your wife's purse. Guys, wouldn't it be much easier in life if women would just tell us what they want? God. Men are hunters. Women are hinters. We're, we're, just, we're just wired to be hunters. If you give a man a task, give us some space, give us a time limit, we will go hunt, catch, and bring back whatever you want, and then we will report on it and tell you how we did it. That's the way we are. Give me a task. Gary, I need you to go empty the trash. Boom. Okay. You've given me a task. I will go complete task. But women don't want you to do that. They want us to be one of those people that uh, are proactive. They want us to take initiative. For example, instead of saying, Gary, would you mind taking out the trash? They'll say something like, man, the trash is full. Okay. Trash is full. They are hinting that they want us to take out the trash. I'm looking at it thinking it's not overflowing. I can get more trash in it. Christina's learned 10 years of marriage. You give me a to-do list, I am a machine. You drop hints, I'm an idiot. Because here's the problem. She sees that the floor needs vacuumed. I think it just got vacuumed four or five days ago. What's wrong with it? When I was single, I would vacuum it once a quarter. We don't see things the same. So instead of telling us what to do, women hint about it. Men don't necessarily grasp that because, again, we're hunters. Give us a task and we conquer. Women want to know that you see things the way they see it and care enough to pick up on their hints. Men are solvers and women are censors. Men are wired. And let me go ahead and just address this because some dumbass is going to come up to me after the service. That's not true for everything. I understand I am swiping in broad strokes today. I understand there's exceptions to every rule. But for the most part, what I am teaching you today is very true. Men are solvers, women are censors. I said that to tell you this. I'm leaving here and going to Tampa. Tomorrow I'm getting on a cruise ship. I will not have access to any of you, so you can complain through Messenger and email. I'm not going to get it for a week, and by the time I get it next week, I'm not going to remember what you were complaining about. So I said that to tell you this. Save your time and the effort and don't do it. Men are wired to solve. We will analyze the situation. 
will weigh the pros and we will weigh the cons. We will formulate a game plan and we will implement said plan. We're men, we're solvers. We think and communicate in black and white. We're men, we're cavemen. We are simple beings. Feed us, show us boobs, and give us a bed to sleep in. It ain't even got to be a bed. Point to a corner where we can sleep. We think in black and white, but women are different. Women will think of the facts. But in their communication process, they don't stick to the facts. They consider these amazing things called emotions, intuition, and feelings. They sense things. Where men are thinking in black and white, women are thinking in intense colors, shading, and depth of color. I had an office this weekend. I'm excited about the office, and I have a color scheme I like in the office. And I go to Christine, and every time I like orange, so everything that's orange, I keep taking to her. I'm like, I'm going to have this in my office. She said, well, it's not going to match the other things. I said, it's orange. But it's not going to match the other things, Gary. Why not? That's orange and this is orange. They match. Orange. So I got a lesson the other day in color palettes. And that how bright colors are accents. Oh. Tell you what, let's just make everything black and white in the office. Men and women are different. Let me give you an example. We had a situation in January that was stressful for us. Anybody got teenage kids? They put you in stressful situations. We got a curveball thrown at us. And Christine was stressed, and I was stressed, and Christine was mad, and I was mad. She starts running on emotion. She's sensing things. Me, being a problem solver, made the fatal mistake of trying to calm her down and fix the problem. I see my wife upset about something. I want to fix it. I'm a man. After things getting tense, she looked at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. She said, let me be in this moment. She didn't want my incredibly awesome problem-solving abilities at that moment. It involved killing someone, hiding their body, covering it up. And she didn't want that. She wanted to be in the moment and deal with it with her emotions. She didn't need me to problem solve at the time. Men are tight-lipped and women are talkers. This might be reversed in my marriage. Scientists tell us that men on average will speak about 12,000 words a day. 12,000. They say that women will speak... At a minimum, twice that, and they will speak 24,000 words a day. Now, here's the problem that happens in my family. 
I usually spend my 12,000 words before I get home. But Christine has been home. Christine has been running her business. Christine has been dealing with the kids. She's only used about 4,000 of her words by the time I get home. She still has 20,000 words that she wants to use. Honey, how was your day? She tells me about her day. And then I don't respond how she thinks I respond because I've used all my words for the day. Lack of communication happens. <laughs> it starts early in life. Emily was on FaceTime the day for three hours just talking with a friend. Like doing stuff around the house, walking around the house with her phone, her friend on the phone. Just talking. Guys don't do that. We just, we just don't. Christine asked me all the time, she's like, why am I the last to always find out about your ideas? I said, well, you're not really the last. And I said, you're really giving me too much credit. I called Bubba and said, hey, guess what I'm doing? Bam, bam, bam. He's like, okay. And that was the end of the discussion. I said, I call you, and I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. You have questions. You have emotions about it. You have things you want me to think through about it. And I understand all that, but I haven't had that deep discussion yet with my guy friends. I just said, hey, guess what I'm doing? And they're like, cool. When I call her, I got to have, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I've got to have an hour discussion about it. So she takes it as I'm overriding her or not telling her that it's not. I'm just, in passing, bringing it up to the dudes. Hey, <laughs> Men and women are different. Take, for example, something as simple as a haircut. Two women talking about their haircut. First woman. Did you just get a new haircut? Yes, I did. Thanks for noticing. Oh, my God. It is so cute. Do you think so? I wasn't sure when the hairdresser handed me the mirror. I mean, you don't think it's too short, do you? Oh, no, girl. I, don't, I think it is perfect. Perfect. I'd love to get my hair cut like that, but I, my, my face is too wide to have that haircut. I'm pretty much stuck with this look, I think. <laughs> Are you serious, girl? No, you're not. I mean, your face is adorable. And you can easily get away with one of these shorter cuts. You should just do it. What? Shut up. I mean, I was worried that if I did this, my neck's really long. Girl, I love your neck. You know... I know girls that would love to have that neck and have your shoulders. Girl, I don't have any shoulders. That's why I got to cover it up with this haircut. Two guys get a haircut. Haircut? Yep. Men and women are different. Men are tight-lipped. Women are talkers. As a matter of fact, I just thought about this with haircut. We're going on a cruise. Misty calls, Misty's over here, our friend Misty, calls Christine yesterday and shows us a FaceTime video of her son's haircut. Christine looks at me and says, hey, he got his haircut. I'm like, okay. Misty thinks it's too short. I said, okay. Well, I mean, 
That's not, she didn't want it that short. Okay. I can't even have a conversation. Like, what do you want me to do about his hair? It'll grow back. I got my own kids. I ain't worried about his haircut. Shave it bald. Like, they had a 20-minute conversation about this haircut. Like, like, look, I'm throwing Mr. She was stressing over his hair being too short. It will grow back. Men and women are different. Men are tight-lipped. Women are talkers. So is it any wonder why men and women have a rough time communicating with each other? I mean, when you go back to the very beginning of creation, one thing that you'll find is that communication was a huge part of creation. The Bible tells us that God created man, and God created woman, and he created man, and he created woman for personal relationship. And God communicated with man. And God communicated with the woman. And then God allowed the man and the woman to communicate with him. Communication is vital. It's amazing. God, God didn't just create vertical communication between us and him. He created horizontal communication where we can communicate with others. God gave us, and hear me out when I say this, God gave us the gift of communication. There's nothing that will strengthen your relationship like strong communication. You don't have a finance problem, you've got a communication problem. You haven't communicated about your finances. You don't have a vision problem, you've got a communication problem. You haven't communicated about the vision for your marriage. You don't have a parenting problem or a children problem, you have a communication problem because you too don't know how to communicate about what the issue is. There will be issues in a relationship. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. The way you get through those issues is communication. You've got to learn how to communicate. God not only created us, God not only gave us the ability to communicate, he gave us some strategies on how to communicate. It's not complicated, but it is work. It takes you making a decision to do it. It takes you being willing to say what needs to be said. All 100%. See, we say 90% of what needs to be said. We hold back that 10%. That 10% is the most vital. Because that's the part where it gets uncomfortable. But not only do you have to have the testicular fortitude to say it, the other person and you, when they're telling you, have got to have the testicular fortitude to receive it. You've got to listen to hear instead of listening to respond. Mm, y'all didn't hear what I just said. I said, you've got to listen to hear and not listen to respond. Communication. Let me also educate you here. This is not communication. This is a one-way communication. That's why I love it. I talk. 
That's not relational communication. Relational communication is two people talking and two people listening and talking about the issues. If you live in a fantasy world where you think there is no issues, then you're either new in your relationship or you've given up on your relationship and you've settled. It took me years. It took us years to get to where we are. I'm a very honest preacher with you. There's been plenty of times that I have got up on this stage and told you, I am not good at what I'm going to teach you today, but the Bible still gives you these principles. I think we are fairly good at today's topic. It has not come easy. We have battled. We have cussed. We have almost split up. We have thrown down. We have went to war. We have both almost bailed on our marriage. We have both drawn our lines in the sand. To get to the point today where I would say we're above average in the area of communication. And in the times that our marriage is not good, I can always trace it back to we're not doing what we're supposed to do in regards to communication. Two things. God is the foundation of your relationship. But as soon as that foundation is laid, the next thing you better lay down is the ability to communicate. If you cannot communicate, you will not make it. If you cannot communicate, let me hurt your feelings real, real quick, baby. Someone else will slide in their DMs and communicate with them. And that happens on both sides. But God gives us the keys to it. Number one, we have to have the will to communicate. We have to have the will to communicate. You say, that sounds so simple. No, trust me, that's hard. Especially for men. Men are shut down on you and shut up. That used to be my move. I'm not going to talk about it. Boy, I can stay mad and ignore you and ice you out about as good as anybody. And nothing good comes from it. You've got to make the decision to communicate. Communication between a husband and communication between a wife is literally a a strategic decision. It's a choice. Some of you in this room today, you're in a marriage, you're in a relationship, and there's a disconnect. You've tried to talk to each other. You're wore out. You're beaten down. You have one spouse who won't talk. You have another spouse who won't listen. And you're ready to give up. Don't say amen to that, but you know inside you're saying amen. My prayer for you today is, Just wait. Make the decision to communicate. I want you to will yourself this morning that you're going to make the strategic decision to communicate. It might not be easy. It might not happen overnight. The great thing about this is God has given us the help if we'll just will ourselves. 
God will intervene in his timing even when we don't know how to say it, what to say, or when to say it. It's a great story in the Old Testament. We've talked about it before. We preached about it about Moses. Israel is in slavery in Egypt. God picks Moses to be his mouthpiece. God picks Moses to be his spokesperson. God picks Moses to be his point man. God asked Moses to go into Pharaoh's office. That'd be the equivalent of us going into the Oval Office and tell him to let my people free. And look what the Bible says in Exodus 4. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. He said, I want you to go into Pharaoh's office and let my people go. And Moses says, I, I, I got a communication problem. I, I don't know how to communicate. I, I have a stuttering problem. I don't know that I can do this. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. And I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. When you make the decision to communicate, the first step is making a decision. God will begin to intervene on your behalf and show you how to speak. Oh, let me tell you what's going to happen at first, baby. It's going to be rough. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to want to give up. You're going to have some communication that might go on for days. But you'll learn to communicate. Christine, I had an issue last night. She was in the wrong, I was in the right. Normally how it goes. We begin to communicate. She got loud. I stayed calm. I got loud. She stayed calm. It got tense for a few moments. We're fixing to go on vacation, so of course we're going to fight the night before. But in about 15 minutes, we had it resolved. We've learned to communicate. We learned how to listen, how to put ourselves in each other's shoes. We made the decision to communicate. We, we didn't make the decision to ignore the issue. We did kind of ignore it until both of us blew up on each other, actually. And that's why it took 15 minutes to resolve it. We probably could have resolved it in two minutes. But I remember on that same argument, especially we had no kids there. Boy, you throw down when you ain't got no kids home. Somebody say amen. You ain't got to be quiet. You ain't got to hold back. The fight would have went six hours five years ago. But we've learned. We made the decision to communicate How many times in our marriage do we, do we think to ourselves, man, should I say that? Should I just remain silent? How, how do I even get into this conversation? I think we need to take our cues from Moses. God, teach me how to speak. God, I need to address this issue, and I'm making the decision to bring this up. Help me to have the right words to say. God, help me to connect in a way and communicate in a way where the other person hears my heart and not what they want to hear. Marriage is about communication. But you've got to make the decision to communicate. So many of you are so deep in your marriage and your go-to default method is you just shut down. What if your spouse won't do it? The Bible says every man must give an account for themselves. You're not responsible for their actions you begin to initiate conversation. One of two things that happen. They'll eventually get with the program, 
This is what some of you are scared of right here. Or they'll have enough and leave. The problem is so many of you are scared of them leaving. You'd rather be in a miserable marriage. And a marriage where two people cannot communicate is miserable. I'm not condoning, I'm not, I'm not endorsing divorce today. But you have one shot at this amazing gift called life. I'm not going to spend it with someone who I have to walk on eggshells around and don't feel like I can communicate with. I refuse. But as God give permission for divorce, he does give a couple of ways. And there's some other ways he says he hates it. But we also serve a good God and a forgiving God and a God of second chances. I'm not staying in a marriage. I don't expect her to stay into a marriage that way. First step in learning to communicate is you've got to be willing to communicate. Man. We learn this the hard way. Christine and I go to a counselor pretty regular. Every time I say that, people freak out. God, the pastor's on the verge of divorce. No, no, we go to a counselor to avoid getting to that stage. That's the problem. So many of you wait to go to a counselor. You want to go get your oil changed on your car once the oil's got 15,000 miles on it, it's all burned up. You didn't have regular maintenance on your car, your car wouldn't run. Some of you need to have some, re- back that up, not some of you. All of you need to have some regular maintenance on your marriage. Now, when it's spitting and sputtering, you get into the mechanic. There's times when we're spitting and sputtering, we're at the counselor weekly. But when things are going good, we're probably once, twice a year. We're just checkup time. Just to make sure the gauges are still where they need to be. But through that, we've learned to communicate. Christine and I went through some stuff a few years ago. And we went through what we went through because neither one of us wanted to communicate to each other what the issue was or what had happened for fear of the other one getting mad. So then there's a secret, and the secret gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We made a decision years ago that it's better to hurt each other's feelings or to be mad at each other or to have a tense 15-minute conversation than to ignore the conversation altogether and let it fester into something bigger. Got to have the will to communicate. Second of all, you're ready for this, so simple. You've got to make time to communicate. Think about that for a second. We have to make time to talk. So ironic we live in the age of technology. Cell phones, internet, teleconferencing, Zoom calls, voicemail, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all the other ones, Instagram. All these ways to communicate, and they literally become a roadblock, a blockade for true communication. It's kind of funny. We have all this high-tech gear that enables us to communicate. On the other hand, we don't know how to talk. I just don't know how to communicate with my spouse. Isn't that hilarious? All these ways to communicate, and you don't know how to. At your job, when you don't know how to do something, guess what you do? You take the time to learn how to do it. 
On the golf course, when you don't know how to hit a certain shot, guess what you do? You take time to learn how to do it. With your interests and your hobbies, you take time to learn how to do them. Maybe you don't know how to communicate with your spouse. When was the last time you took the time to learn how to communicate with your spouse? Christine has learned how I want to be communicated to. I have learned how she wants to be communicated to. We have both learned, do not miss this, that there's times we don't want to be communicated with. That doesn't mean we're not going to communicate. But at this moment, I'm going to give her her space, or she's going to give me my space. Now, we ain't going to bed till we talk about it. But I'm going to give her seven minutes to calm down. I'm going to give her seven minutes to go breathe. You've got to take time to communicate. When we're clicking in our communication, it's because we take time to communicate. We actually had this discussion last night. When I come home from work, she's normally cooking dinner. Like a wife should. No, I'm just kidding. Just I'm kidding. She's normally cooking dinner. When I come home and she's cooking dinner, and I throw my phone on the counter, and I sit at the bar, and I talk and ask her how her day was and things are good, we just chit-chat and we catch up. Normally our communication is good. But I get in that pattern of coming home, kissing her on the cheek. She's in there cooking. She's been dealing with the kids all day. She's been dealing with the dogs all day. She's been dealing with her business all day. And I go jump on the couch, and I turn the TV on, or I start flipping through TikTok. Communication begins to fall apart. Our lives are crazy. They're nuts. So are yours. We have to be intentional about the time. I told her last night, she confronted me about something. I said, you're right. I said, I, I need to be more intentional about that. I said, funny thing is, you're telling me I should be intentional about that, and I'd already been feeling this convicting about it. Maybe I'll cut down my bubble bath from seven a week to five and work on it the other two nights. Taking time to do stuff. When I neglect communicating... We don't communicate well in the same way. When I come home and she gets off the phone with one of her friends because she's a typical woman and has to be on the phone 24-7, 365 days a week with her friends, like they cannot do anything apart. But when I come home and she gets off the phone and she communicates with me, I feel valued and we communicate. When she stays on the phone and she's talking, it's a street. We're both guilty of it at different times. I don't even think you intentionally do it. I think it just happens one night, then it happens two nights, then all of a sudden there's a pattern where you're not taking time. It works all over the place, not just in your marriage. When I'm communicating with my teams in business, our business runs better. When I'm flying by the seat of my pants, it's chaos. Faye helps me out with a lot of events. Faye will tell you that when I tell her ahead of time, here's what this is going on, and this is going on here, and this is going on here, and this is going on here, the event runs great. When I get busy that week and don't communicate those facts to her to the day of the event, it's chaos. Hey, by the way, I know you already set up all that stuff, and I need to change because I forgot to tell you, bam, this. 
Works in business, too. Works in friendships. You've got to make time to communicate. Gary, you don't know how much stuff I have going on. You're right. Gary, you don't understand how busy I am. You're right. But you find time to do what's important. Let me repeat that. You find time to do what's important. You sure the hell know what's going on with Yellowstone. You sure got time to go do the hobbies you want to go do, and I'm not anti-hobbies. You find time to do what you want to do. Why would you want to be in a relationship where there's no communication? You better make time to do it. Christine and I were working together for a little while as she was getting the t-shirt company going, and I was down there every day. And I think we kind of got in some bad habits because of that. We were together all day, so we were talking all day. They weren't deep conversations. They were frivolous conversations. But at the end of the day, it was like we had been together all day and talked all day, and we thought we were good. And we missed out on the making time to talk. We have to be intentional. When we have a date night, we're intentional. Our marriage goes good. I'm making some big career decisions right now. I said, I need to pray about this, pray about this, pray. And I said, we need to talk about these things. I was letting her know we need to make time to talk about these things because they affect her. They affect our kids. They affect our livelihood. Scheduling what's important. You've got to make time to communicate with your spouse. We used to be really good about it. I used to be very intentional about taking Mondays off. I'm not in a position to do that right now. There's different times, but every Monday we had off, we would either have a breakfast or a lunch date. And we would catch up. And then we got in this habit that we never, ever, ever stuck with. Sunday night, we're going to meet together and talk about our week. And when we did, it went great. Now, we just forget to do it. But what I'm telling you is, as life happens, I get that. That's why it's important to schedule it. You don't understand, I'm busy, she's busy. You make time for it. What, what if God looked at us, and I hate to do this, it's like preachery right here, but what if God looked at us when we need him and said, I don't got time right now, guys, talk. Hit me back up later, I know things are, hit me up later. God takes time for us, because he does this by, look what it says, Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the time had fully come means in God's perfect timing. God knew the time to send his son. You need to have the perfect time. Everybody's schedule will be different. And sometimes, let me shock you with this. Sometimes that time might be on the telephone. You're driving back. It's okay. It doesn't always have to be face You know something me and Christine have learned? Something Christine learned. Took me a while to learn. Sometimes we resolve our biggest arguments texting. Because when we're texting, we're not talking over each other. I have no choice but to read the entire text. And I can't respond to her until I've read the text. When she's talking to me, I hear the first two sentences and I respond back. You say, well, that's not communication. Sorry, old folk, it is. How people communicate, you can communicate that way. I don't think it needs to be the only way you communicate. Let me make that clear. 
grow the hell up and learn to communicate verbally with each other. But I think there are times, sometimes it's just better that way. It's communicating, making the time to communicate. God's perfect time, and he took time to communicate with us. God took time to demonstrate his love to us. He took time to die on the cross and raise the grave for us. He made time for it. There's so much importance in creating time to communicate. I'm the king of crazy. King of it. Told my wife the other day, I said, man, I think I need an office. I'm sick of bringing people down here. It's like silence of the lambs. You bring them through this ratty building to the back of the building, through the homeless shelter to this office with no windows. It's creepy. That was one day, and six hours later, I said, hey, I'm going to FaceTime you in 15 minutes. I found an office. That's how I work. Walk through the office. See it all? Yes, yeah, she sounds like a great deal. I said, yeah, I'm going to get this office. Let's talk about it later. Click. We talked about it later. We made time. In the moment, you've got to make time to do things. Third, this is a good one. Learn to communicate creatively. Learn to communicate creatively. This is not a hoop and holler sermon, but I'm giving you good information today. We need to add some creativity to our marriage. You know why most marriages are in trouble? You know why most husbands and wives don't talk to each other? Because we're boring. We've grown stale with each other. You know why when someone else comes along exciting and it's new. We've got bored with each other. We're doing the same old things. Kind of like you guys with my preaching. You hear the same stories all the time. Bring a guest preacher in. You love it. It's something new. It's something fresh. Our marriages, our relationships have got boring. We look at each other and we just sigh. Wonder if they're even listening to me. It's boring. You gotta learn to get creative in that. The key to a great marriage, the key to communication in marriage is that sometimes we gotta jazz it up with some creativity. You know where I'm going. I love the Song of Solomon. But it's the greatest book because it's a husband and a wife communicating with each other. Go read it, it's amazing. It's crazy the love they had for each other. But it's amazing the creativity they had with each other. The Song of Solomon is King Solomon and his courtship, his marriage, his honeymoon period with a Shulamite bride. It's all about their relationship. People will tell you it's a beautiful imagery of Jesus and us, and you can make that imagery, but at its core, the practical story is it's a husband and a wife. And look what he says to her. Song of Solomon, verse 1. He says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings and your neck with strings of jewels. That's him talking to her. How often do you communicate to your spouse that way? God, you're gorgeous. God, you know what I want to do? I want to do this. I want to do that. Let's go off here. Man, I am, I'm so proud of you. I'm so this. I'm so. When was the last time you got creative with your talk? 
Verse 14, my beloved to me is a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyard. He's saying, I, I, I love watching her explode and grow. He's being creative in his communication. And all you can come up with is, what's for dinner? I did that the other day. Christine was complaining to me about one of our children. Not complaining, ranting about one of our children. She doesn't complain about her children, but sometimes you have children, you rant about them. And I heard what she had to say, but I was hungry. And I was like, oh, okay. Hey, what's for dinner? She was not happy. That led to the fight last night. I should have been creative in my communication with her. Babe, you're right. You know what we should do to that little brat? We should string him up by his toes, pluck his fingernails out, shave his head bald, beat the hell out of him. Now, we're not going to do those things, but when that's been, she'd be like, yes! You understand how I'm feeling right now. Said I threw at the same moment, hey, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. I even think I made it worse. Hey, what's for dinner? I don't want Mexican. Don't ever badmouth Mexican in our house. It's an unforgivable sin. When you really begin to study the Song of Solomon, you'll see that they're just creative in their action. They're creative in their communication. They're creative in the way they talk to each other. If there was some activity that was exciting, they shared it with each other. We just get in a routine. You know what I should have done when I was showing my wife that office on FaceTime? Baby, look at this office. It's cool here. Baby, you know what we can do in this room? You know what I mean? I should have just been like being creative. That would have made the experience more exciting for her as I was interrupting her at the spur of the moment to tell her I was about to run an office that I probably don't even really need, but I won't, my God. You know what I mean? I don't have time to read all the verses. But as you read this, man, you'll think, man, I wish I could do some of this. Chapter 2, they, they talk about the fact that they eat good food all the time. He took me to the banquet room. The banner over me was love. He showed me off. Chapter 2 talks about they would take trips to the mountains together. They would run through flowers and run through streams. I believe they did that naked. Chapter, <laughs> I'm going on a cruise with him tomorrow. <laughs> that scares me. Chapter 3 talks about how they would go to other cities and just hang out and do stuff together. Check this out. Chapter 3, this is what's cool to me. This just shows you that dudes don't change. Chapter 3 talks about how they would get in his chariot and ride around town. Like, dude had some bad will. He's like, check out my chariot. Like, we're still dudes. We got a car. Get in my car and just drive around. Like, dude, just, we're simple. We're cavemen. But there wasn't even cars back there. Like, hey, let's go get in the chariot. You know, my chariot's got them gold flames on it. Ain't nobody else got that. Girl, I got the 22s on the chariot. Let's just go ride around and check out the town. Just create mirrors. One of our favorite things to do is just get in the car and drive. Man. Chapter 4 talks about the exciting trips they took together. They went to Lebanon. They went through deserts. They went through valleys. They went to the garden and they talked. Let me tell you something. If you read those verses, they did not go to the garden and talk. They went to the garden and brown chicken, brown cow, baby. 
You know why? Because Solomon understood, let's get creative. You see garden, I see Sam's parking lot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just telling you. They talked creative. They had fun together. We're going to spice up the communication in our marriage. You got to get creative. Serious question, what are you doing in your relationship that causes creative activity? Not that leads to sex, but creative activity that leads to creative communication. Where there's a freedom to communicate with each other. When's the last time you took a vacation together? Someone said, have a good vacation tomorrow. I said, I'm not on vacation this week. I'm on a family trip. There's a difference. Vacation involves no children. Now, I'm excited about a family trip, but we're on a family trip. It would do all these things. And there's okay, go on a family trip too, but just go have fun and communicate. It's amazing the deep conversations we'll have when we're just out having fun because we've knocked the edge off the communication. It doesn't feel like we sit at the dinner table and have to have this serious conversation. They just happen. Some of our deepest discussions about our children or about how I'm in the wrong about something takes place in those situations. Golly, got to learn to do that. Last and I'm done. Learn to communicate praise regularly. It's important. We need to communicate praise. Do you know the quickest way to show love to someone, even in business, marriage, friendship, is to just praise them? I'm a pretty arrogant dude. I'm pretty confident in my abilities when it comes to business. I don't need you to tell me I'm good, because I know I'm good. I don't mean that. I, I, I'm not even trying to be an ace. I'm just being honest. I see the life that I have provided for my family. I know I'm good at what I do. But I love it when someone comes along and praises me. I love when my wife tells me she's proud of me. My friends say, man, good job. Sometimes all we do is, I used to be that boss. I used to be like, I don't need to tell them when they're doing right. That's what they get paid to do. Tell them when they're wrong. And you do need to tell them when they're wrong. But man, you've got to give praise regularly. Everybody wants to hear they're doing a good job. Every man, like the most, I used to always think the most powerful words was someone to look at you and say, I love you, and I love those words. The most powerful words is someone to look at you that you respect and say, man, I'm proud of you. I, I, oh, man, I just immediately swell up. Feel proud of me? Wow. It's amazing how that happens. When you begin to pour into someone, you begin to pray praise someone, their self-esteem, their self-worth, it just soars. You want the communication in your relationship between man and a woman to be what it should be, then learn to communicate praise. There's two patterns of praise that we need to implement in our marriage. Proverbs 31, it's the last chapter in Proverbs. Proverbs is King Solomon giving his son some advice. Chapter 31, he's talking all about what's called the Proverbs 31 woman beautiful chapter on a woman being feminine 
a woman being a leader, a woman being an entrepreneur, a homemaker. Again, cavemen, men, we're cavemen. And quit letting society think, tell you that's a bad, you're more than a caveman. No, we're cavemen. It's what we are. It's not a derogatory term. It's a complimentary term. We're protectors. We're providers. We do what we're supposed to do. But women are so much more than Proverbs 31 women. Look what it says in verse 1. Her children arise. Don't miss this. Her children arise and they call her blessed. Her husband also. What did the children do? They arose. Rose from what? Bed. And they praised her. The husband also, he praises her. That, that word arises is important to me because it means when the children and the husband got up every day, they started their day with words of praise. I, I believe this is so important. I can tell you how you start your day so many times will determine your day. When Christine and I first got together, she worked a full-time corporate job. So she would get home later. Emily would get in bed later. It was new to me because I am the sleep Nazi. You go to bed early. My kids go to bed when I'm ready for them to go to bed, not when they're ready to go to bed. They go to bed where we can have time together. Emily wouldn't get in bed. She was like seven, eight years old. She wouldn't get in bed at 9, 30, 10 o'clock sometimes. And she'd wake up in the morning in World War III every morning. After a week, I looked at Chris and I said, no, nah, I can't do this. I'm not starting my day like this every day. I wasn't joking. I wasn't trying to be funny. It was a line in the sand for me. We's new. I ain't doing it. She said, what's the answer? I said, she needs to go to bed earlier. She went to bed earlier. Our mornings changed. Nine times out of ten now, our mornings start good. Now, we have four dogs, so sometimes you never know what's going to happen. But, man, there's nothing worse than those one out of ten days we get up and all hell's broke loose. And it's raining outside. The dogs don't want to go outside. And they're doing what dogs do outside, inside. And, and it's crazy. And the alarms are going off and everyone's running. I hate those mornings. They said they arose and they started their day with praise for each other. Good morning, beautiful. Good morning, Caveman, handsome, whatever. I don't know. Babe, last night was so incredible. Like, for the first time all week, you didn't snore like a freight train and keep me up. Thank you. Just the little things. That's me talking to Christine, by the way, not her talking to me. No, I'm just kidding. Her children arise and they call her blessed. I love that. I love that. Don't miss this. The mom hadn't done anything right when she woke up. See, we tend to only praise the spectacular. Baby, congratulations on the promotion. Congratulations on the big whatever. When's the last time you just looked at your wife and said, babe, thank you for balancing the checkbook? kind of snicker about that, but when I met Christine, I hadn't balanced my checkbook ever. Ever. She said, how much money you got in the bank? I said, it's up here. I got about this much. After she balanced the checkbook, I was about 15000 off that I did not have. She said, you've never balanced this thing? I'll never forget. You remember? It'll take me 30 minutes. 
see me 30 minutes balance it. Six hours later, I said, I'm, I'm going to bed. I'm not going to bed at this. Three o'clock in the morning, she came to bed, had a balance. Guess what? I've been with her 10 years now. I ain't ever worried about checks getting bounced. I ain't ever worried about bills not being paid. She took a load off of me. But I don't think about those things. When's the last time, ladies, you just thank your husband for going to work and providing for you? When's the last time you just thank for coming home to a clean house? They rose and they just praised her for the mundane things. Why can I not talk things in life? The things we do every day. Praising them for all the things that we don't see. When's the last time you just praised your, your spouse for just something as simple as, man, thank you for taking the dogs out this morning. They got up and they praised her. Second thing, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. It's important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He's telling his son, you make sure you praise your wife publicly. The city gates were where everything happened. I remember one time telling my wife, I said, boy, so-and-so is so proud of you. They tell me all the time how proud they are of you. And she said, man, I wish they'd tell me that or tell everyone else that. All they do is tell her thing I, I do wrong. We have a tendency sometimes to praise privately and ridicule publicly. You ought to be praising your spouse publicly. Praise them for the regular things. and praise, Let the world know how great they are. Now, I, I think there's a weird line. Sometimes Facebook, I always think, man, these people are so over the top, what kind of issues they have in their marriage. Because I'm a skeptic like that. But what a miserable way for me to live. They're praising each other. Cool. It's like now, now we have to be the person who brags that we don't praise them. Christine and I didn't. We don't get on Facebook on Valentine's Day and do that crap. But then it was funny to me that everybody said, we don't get on Facebook during Valentine's Day and praise our spouse. It's not what we do. Shut up and just do your thing. You've got to announce that you're not doing something, you idiot. Praise them. Just praise regularly. Communication. It's not complicated. Make the decision to communicate. Make the time to communicate. Get creative in communication. And simply praise each other in communication. Men, women, we're different. Come together and we communicate. And when we don't communicate, our marriage falls apart as a result. All of our relationships fall apart without communication. To learn to communicate. Not complicated. God gives us a formula to do it. Next week, we're going to be talking about how does man and woman have individual visions for their life, but come together and have a vision for each other. Christine has goals. I have goals. We have goals as a couple. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The reason so many of your marriages are falling apart is because you have no vision for your marriage anymore. So how do you do that together? That's how we're going to close out this series. Let's pray.